0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Like the flood of information transmitted via the old-fashioned ticker tape machine of pre-digital America, stories poured forth this week slaking our thirst for something, anything that will usher in the advent of NFL football 2020. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's August 30th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. outpost. Nick joins us from the Houston outpost. Hey, Nick.
1: I can answer that question for you. It's going great. And the reason it's going great is because football is upon us. We are not just on the precipice. We have three, four, five, six toes in the water and football is here. We actually even already have football. Even if it's Steelers against Steelers football, it's here. Friday Night Lights, who did you bet on? Well, I can't tell you that here on the podcast, otherwise I'd be giving up my strategy, but I can tell you where I bet on them, and that's at betonline.ag, our official partners online, baby. Betonline.ag has no shortage of action going on. Sports are back, NBA playoffs, MLB, soccer, yeah, but football is right around the corner, and it's time to get juiced. They got the best Odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. If you're talking about match based sports, they got simulated games and they got a bunch of casino games, so poker, anything like that. You know what a casino is, you know what kind of games they have. Well, Bet Online does too, and they got them. So visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. It's a good little way to support the pod as well. Betonline.ag, ching, your online wagering
0: experts. Do you have today circled on your calendar? It's a big anniversary.
1: I do have it uh, circled on my calendar. Why don't you tell the good people
0: what it's all about? Today, in 2017, Joe Hayden was cut from the Cleveland Browns, thus ushering in a new and glorious future for the Pittsburgh Steelers secondary.
1: Half joking here, but half serious. I'm not saying that Joe Hayden coming over was like Minka coming over or something like that or like getting Aaron Donald. We know that Joe Hayden is still a very good player for the Steelers, but he's not the dominant player he was in his youth with the Browns, right? So when he came over, it's not like you're getting the prime of Hayden, but you're still getting good Hayden, right? But it did just seem like after he came over, it finally started coming together. After years of abject failure in building a defense, it finally started happening. Uh, and th- that's a whole other side note, isn't it, right? Because I was just having a conversation with a buddy of mine about Tomlin the other day and how we talked about on this podcast, there's this upper echelon of coaches. There's a the Bill Belichick echelon, which is reserved for him in terms of any sport ever coached by any person. His success in a league that is designed to keep you from having success based on the salary cap and based on the randomness of injuries and how much that affects uh, your team and how much, you know... Circumstance has to go in winning in the NFL. Bill Belichick's in his own league. Then there's another league of coaches in the NFL. We're talking, talking probably the Harbaugh's. We're talking Sean Payton, Andy Reid, these kind of guys who no matter, you know, they have a good team every single solitary year, no matter what, kind of no matter which quarterback is playing for them, and they're always going to have a, at least one great side of the ball. No matter who John Harbaugh has, their defense is phenomenal, and their special teams, right, even before Justin Tucker. No matter who Andy Reid has, their offense is going to do great. Same thing with Sean Payton. Drew Brees goes out for a few games. Whatever backup quarterback comes in and wins every game for them. It's been happening for years, right? So they also offer this, and Kyle Shanahan's the same way, they offer this schematic advantage where it's a guaranteed dominant side of the ball regardless of the personnel almost right and then there's the two guys i think at the bottom of that tier but still in that tier and that's pete carroll and mike tomlin because those two guys they do some boneheaded decisions when it comes to clock management and on-field things and so on and so forth they do not give you a distinct advantage on offense or defense it's kind of based on their personnel but they're just particularly mike tomlin is just an unparalleled motivator i mean the guy people play for him however the the one thing people don't mention with mike tomlin through the years the, my big frustration for him was not just the inability to build a defense but the complete failure to build a defense during the killer bees era and you can give him you got to give him the credit for helping to build that offense but it was just wandering in the desert Yes, I know Shazier going down was actually a huge part of that going wrong, but Joe Hayden coming over was the first brick put into place by Mike Tomlin, who was aggressive enough to go get him to realize that they have no ability to coach secondary players who they draft, so fingers crossed for Justin Lane, but let's not get too excited. They... they uh you know he made that move and he brought over vance mcdonald the same year and it was the most aggressive we'd ever seen the steelers be and it was them adjusting to the modern times and which continued with them trading up to draft Je- Devin bush and then trading a first round pick for Mince- minka fitzpatrick these are unprecedented things we have to give mike tomlin the credit for adjusting with the times along with colbert and the Rooneys. but last thing i'll say about joe hayden besides how symbolic his his uh you know his joining of the Steelers was—he's just one of the greatest guys in the NFL and one of the coolest-looking dudes in his uniform. So when they announced that we got him, it's just you couldn't even fathom how amazing that is. That's like imagine Jadavian Clowney coming over the Steelers, like all these rumors are saying.
0: I have—I uh, have a separate thought about Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden to me seems like the guy you threaded the needle with. He may not be. He didn't come over in his prime, but he also didn't cost what a guy in his prime would cost. And when I think about this, I think about Dan Snyder with the Washington Redskins. He made all these big splash free agent acquisitions like Albert Haynesworth, Deion Sanders, just spent untold amounts of money. And there are probably multiple reasons that wasn't a good thing. But, you know, Joe Hayden is a more than above-the-line player. He also has leadership qualities that the Steelers could use back in the secondary at that point, a guy who's been there and the younger guys can look to, right? So yep. that was a great free a- free agent acquisition just for – and I'm not saying he's just a locker room guy at all. I mean, he's – like right. again, I still think he's above the line. That was a tremendous acquisition.
1: Yeah, phenomenal. You're right. It's for the price especially. Like, look what just happened to the Ravens with Earl Thomas. And Earl Thomas, when the Ravens got him comparatively in his career – he was, he's definitely not the Earl Thomas that he used to be. But his drop-off is bigger than what Joe's was. You know, like Earl Thomas had fallen pretty far. Not to say he was a bad safety, but he just wasn't anywhere near what he used to be. And in the way he played the game, he still thinks that he's that guy. You know, so he's, there's the video of him blowing the coverage in practice that led to the big blow-up that led to uh, him getting kicked off the team. And it was just an example of him thinking that he was still 25 and he could freelance and run around. He can't do that. Joe Hayden was a guy who was like, yeah, he might have lost a little bit of a step, but this guy still had, what, five or six interceptions last year. should have had nine. Dropped a bunch of easy ones, but he's adjusted to that time, and he's still a very productive player, like you said. And then, in addition to being the productive player, what an incredible leader, a guy who's seen everything you have to see, a guy who also played against the Steelers and the Ravens for, you know, seven, eight years, so he's completely used to AFC North football. Yeah, just an amazing personality. And then, of course, when you talk about the secondary, that's where the communication is so critical. Then luck it out and get a guy like, like uh, Steven Nelson, and now Minka, and you're reaping the rewards of that. So I totally agree. It's just so cool to have such a fun player on your team and such a likable guy, but it really was sort of symbolically the first move that got the Steelers um, to get this defense together because, face it, they just... They, they, they draft well on the front seven, seemingly, but... They cannot draft in the back end to save their life. And what they've done is they brought in three guys who have made a great secondary. None of those guys are from the team. Even Hilton wasn't drafted.
0: Ziggy, Jarvis Jones. Yeah, you, Look, can, I name, I, I you can name you can player player every
1: position that every team misses on, but Cam Hayward, <laughs> Stefan Tuitt, um, Javon Hargrave, Ryan Shazier, Devin Bush, TJ Watt, now Bud Dupree, proving them wrong. So – uh, Vin, uh, Vinny Williams in the sixth round, so they do a good job in, in those early goings. Um, can't deny that. Of course, you could definitely think. And actually, Ziggy played for like ten years. But uh, yeah, Jarvis is tough. But Bud has kind of turned that around for us, right? Because we thought, damn, they they do sort of go hit and miss in the first round. But they, I guess they were right on him the long way.
0: <laughs> look, I don't want to. You're right. I don't want to pick it apart. I mean, when you look back at what the Steelers did for its secondary, we really didn't get. Is Troy the last, like, splash guy oh, yeah, he got out of college? Well, the only. Like, him and then, like, Rod Woodson. <laughs> <laughs> so every decade? Every oh, decade yeah, or not so? every
1: once in a while. Every once in a while they hit the guy. They got uh, Keenan right. Lewis and a couple other guys. But anyways, we're totally off track here, which is completely my fault. But I think that, that's some fun stuff to think about. Uh, on this anniversary, because it's good for us to keep track of these things so people don't make the rash generalizations about coaching staffs and uh, front offices like they do. But we have plenty of uh, modern news that we should be even more excited about that's happening right
0: now. So riddle me this. What is bigger than Ben? This would be a great entry for a commercial, wouldn't it? Yeah, we can sell
1: that. Actually, I would just give it to them, because after watching that video, I will give Ben... Anything, including my life, although that hasn't changed because I would have already have done that. I am so psyched that this Bigger Than Ben, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, four-part docu-series, documentary series is coming out on YouTube. I am out of my mind. The inner child, like my, my Steelers fandom is, is uh, strongly linked with Ben Roethlisberger because I was a huge Steelers fan before Ben, but that's the whole thing. I, that's me growing up with this guy. And so some of the uh, over-emotional tendencies I might have when it comes to the team are very linked to him that way. And I have never gotten to see anything cool behind the scenes with him his whole career because he made some dumb decisions earlier in his career and he just kind of went zero dark 30 with media for a long time. But looks like he's coming out here and and you could say it's a little petty or or whatever if he wants to show everybody... um, you know, his side of the story or whatever, or I know part of my take is making fun of him for seeing Michael Jordan putting out a documentary and Tom Brady putting out a documentary and thinking that he's in their league to put one out. It's like, that's not it at all. Like, this is modern content. This is why Juju Juju's so fun. It's why AB was fun, because you could follow them in, um, you know, in their everyday life. And whoever put this together... Somebody's behind the modernization of Ben this summer because the weight loss, the new haircut, the new beard, and now a very well-produced video, Uh, there's something going on. And uh, I don't – just to address what I was saying before, like I don't think it's tacky that he made it at all. This is really cool to get an inside sight, an inside look at this. And um, I don't know. I have a 100 things to say regarding it. But, of course, if I I have to say one thing, it comes down to the final minute. Of that video when he learns that he has to get surgery and his wife uh, gives him permission to retire, whatever that means. And he says, no, I'm not retiring. I'm here to win Super Bowls. In that moment, he's, he's basically just Batman in my mind. So that's how I hear him. But uh, what did you think about the video?
0: I think you make a really good point about the possibility of somebody shaping Ben this late in his career because that, that was a lot all, all kidding aside I mean everything from the, his look to that video or that, that document whatever so what really surprises me is that he took it on at all I read a lot of religion politics and sports all areas ripe for controversy hmm. at the end of every article I do read the comments because I'm just not angry enough so I start reading these responses, <laughs> and I'm infuriated. I type out my response, and I take my own advice, and I never hit send. You know why? Don't. Nobody cares about me. i got enough problems in my life without becoming a target. I don't need to be canceled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. You, said, uh, you said the word, you, um, how did you phrase it? It might be small of Ben to, to do this. Uh, Petty. Maybe as a response. Petty. Thank you. As a response to the criticism he's had heaped upon him over, yeah, over the years. twenty years, yeah. At this point, why bother? I mean, he has the potential to shut everybody up this year. You know, just based on his arm alone. But I, I would agree. I mean, I just think he's making a target, right? I mean, great yeah. that he has his wife on there. That is having Ashley. I'm sure the kids will be introduced at some point too, and that'll soften the image a little bit more. But. Is it an apolog- is it an apologetic? I mean, is it going to convince anybody? Maybe the no. people who really are who don't know him at all. But it is interesting. He took it on. I'm not sure what benefit he gets from it.
1: It is, and I agree. There's nothing Ben can ever say that will ever change people's opinion on him. They pe- the people just hate him. Even Steelers, fan- there's some Steelers fans who just hate him. You know, they'll never forgive him for being a knucklehead in his early career. Maybe that's an understatement, but. Um, we know, we know that that's just a natural part of what happens there, and you're right, Yeah, has almost nothing to gain. I do wonder, though, I do think the one thing that could at least slightly change people's opinion is another Super Bowl ring because at that point, he really enters into the upper stratosphere, and you would assume he'd be such a big part of that Super Bowl they couldn't keep saying, like, ah, it's just an early career guy. I won him with defenses, which is insane because, yeah, he had an amazing defense and nothing else. <laughs> Like, yeah, Ben, you're good without an offensive line, right? We're actually not going to field one, but you can still win. Yeah, of course. Um, Anyways, yeah, I could talk all day about it. I love to see it. I think I agree with you. Like, he doesn't really have anything to gain from it. And I don't think it's being petty necessarily because I think that – He's trying to stand up for himself a little bit uh, because the whole, the whole video opens with montage of him walking through the facility and all these famous sports talk heads like Stephen A. Smith or Shannon Sharp basically blaming the Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown departures on Ben and Tomlin, as we talked about when that was happening. No uh, apologies were issued. Um, I guess they were all right. Like, Look at Antonio Brown, this model citizen. This paragon of mental health and decision-making. What a monster Ben Roethlisberger is for running him out of town. He's probably a racist. And what a moron. The Steelers are screwed. They suck. Ben's an idiot. Tallman can't do anything right. And two months later, Talman's getting Coach of the Year votes, and nobody's apologized to Ben. And it turns out that AB has got an issue or two. And apparently Le'Veon is slow now in Jets camp. Uh, which is interesting. But so he's just kind of standing up for himself a little bit. It was funny when they, he had um, all those people in the background making those comments about Ben. And then they just showed a eight second clip of Ben's two Lombardis and his jerseys hung in there and and stuff like that. That was really subtle way to handle it, but Hey, I love it. It's great. And, uh, but honestly, at the end of the day, my kind of closing thoughts on it are if he made it for Steelers fans, This is amazing. Like For us, this is so cool to get a little behind-the-scenes look at this. And sports is the greatest reality TV show ever made, and especially when you get to follow 17 seasons of it, if you've been following with Ben in particular. So this just heightens the story a little bit. And we love getting behind-the-scenes footage. As much footage of the Steelers that we can get, I will take. And that's the good thing about this past week, because a lot more behind-the-scenes footage has been
0: coming out when it comes to training camp. Speaking of which, we had a rain-soaked and limited Friday night lights about, uh, well, two nights ago, Friday night. Some interesting things coming out of that, even though it was shortened. First on my list was Ben's interception Mm. in the red zone. But Mike Hilton returns it 100 yards. And I guess I just don't imagine the offense just hands that to him. Oh, he caught it. We're just going to go to the sideline and have a smoke. Apparently, you know, the good news about that, as reported by the 12 people that were in the stadium, is that the defense flicked the switch and turned into offense to escort Hilton downfield. That is what separates
1: the good defenses from the great defenses. You know, obviously, James Harrison and the boys, Ryan Clark, and everybody know a little something about that in the Super Bowl. But even look back at the Denver Broncos, look back at the Jaguars a few years ago, look at the Bears a few years ago. Once you get to a certain level of defense where you're so damn good, you're so fat, you're much faster than everybody, you're stronger than everybody, you get to this level where you play offense as well. You go try to strip the ball constantly. You're going to Ryan Shazier mode. That's where Ryan was at when he was peaking. He wasn't just tackling. He's taking the ball away from the guys. And then there's this extra thought that it's time to mobilize, boys. It's time to score. So that is awesome news for the defense. Hey, what I take from that red zone interception, which I think was Ben's second in in two days, or his second in three days, um, there was a report that, He was just kind of extending the play, and I think Mark Caballi said he might have thrown that away if it was a real game, but who knows if you can tell. Still, red zone interceptions, red zone interception. And by the way, I hate to say this, but Ben's thrown some head-scratchingly boneheaded red zone interceptions over his last few seasons, so I can't say that he would have thrown it away. But it just sounds like right now the defense is handling the offense, which I guess should be uh, expected. And we should be thankful for that because we want the defense to duplicate their performance from last year. Obviously, it's going to be tough getting those turnover numbers because a lot of turnovers are due to circumstance. But we know from a talent perspective, it's just out of the – I mean, it's off the charts, right? And so that's good that they're taking control early. The offensive line for the Steelers has some gelling to do. There's been some shuffling around. We know that uh, David DeCastro has been out. We know Kevin Doxson's been getting some burn. We'll talk about that. Uh, So people are – Chooks and Banner still uh, battling it out. We'll probably talk about that in a second as well. But there's not a lot of continuity there. And Ben is probably getting back in the swing of things, having legitimately eight good receivers to throw to. So I wouldn't say it would be something to be overly alarmed about. I would say it's positive from the defensive perspective, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on from the offensive perspective.
0: Well, I don't want to overread or get too nervous about um – Castro being out, yeah. Dotson is getting some work, as you mentioned, uh, so I'll look at the glass half full, because from all reports, TJ and Bud are just having their way, and they can get the Ben anytime they want, when they want. Well, that's great to hear. Once again, it's just
1: nice to hear that the defense is picking up where they left off, and that they might really be the leaders of this team. You know, usually one side of the ball has the alphas, and if it's your defense, those type, of, the type of guys who play defense are just more psychopaths in general. They're let-me-go-and-destroy-things kind of people, whereas the offense is like let me score, let me think about it, let me, uh, let me uh, tacticize, of course, is a new word I just invented, and uh, figure out how to get there, right? Of course, they're psychos too because anybody who's down to go across the middle or sit in a pocket or... Try and block a 375-pound man who runs a 4-1. You're a psycho, too. But the defense is a whole other regression. So when you have a great defense, those are generally like the louder, more boisterous, swaggy guys that you're going to get. We saw that with all the Steelers Super Bowls, right? So that's nice that the team will have a personality and a leadership and an energy that way. And then at the same time, you have Ben Roethlisberger and Marquise Pouncey. The tried and true. These dudes have been leaders for forever on the offense, so you really are accounted for on both sides. By the way, uh, Mark Cabali, who we have to give a big shout-out to, he's one of the 12 guys allowed in the stadium right now, and he's been doing some great work recapping these practices with his articles over at at The Athletic. So got to give him a shout-out on that. But he said that Chris Boswell has been crushing it as well. So even on the special team side, you got some things going for you, which is nice. Um, But that being said... It's my roundabout way of talking about TJ. I hope that he's dominating Banner and Chooks, right? (laughs) I hope that those guys get their sea legs and figure out how to block him a couple times, but he should be dominating those guys. I am happy to hear about Bud because Villanueva isn't a slouch, so that's really nice to hear that. He's been able to get some things done from that side.
0: Well, you mentioned special teams. So we've heard that Ray-Ray McLeod is really showing up at camp. He has returned a 90-yarder for a kickoff for a touchdown. You know who else is returning kickoffs? Who? Kareth, Kareth White. Oh, you know, yeah. we're we big oh, yeah. fans. We're hoping he makes it. That um, I still don't think they have the replacement for Connor. although it is this podcast is kind of becoming the Benny Snell show of just wait a minute. But hmm. – um, kareth white i mean good to see there they are trying a lot of guys there um on kickoff return
1: well i actually don't think that kareth white should be on should should be returning kicks or playing running back for the steelers i think that he should be running for president when this happens i've my love for him only grows every day he's so fast he's so glorious so small number 40 looks kind of cool yeah, there's no way a guy named Ray Ray McLeod can't make an NFL team. I mean, when he returned that first kick for a touchdown for 90 yards, I'm like, yeah, of course he did. His name is Ray Ray McLeod. Have you guys ever played Star Fox before? Fox McLeod is the leader of the squadron there. He had Peppy Hare, who's a rabbit. He had Slippy, I think his name is Slippy the Frog, or, or Slippy Frog. Basically, he's a frog. He had Falco, who's the Falcon, and then at the end of the game, you meet uh, Fox McCloud's dad, and his name is James McCloud. He gets a person name but he's the sexiest anime trade in This guy's like uh, James Dean, Fox Form, in Nintendo 64, James McCloud. You're telling me that Ray Ray McCloud isn't going to return kicks for TDs?
0: Don't be a dum-dum. You know, you'd go to bed, and I would play that game. I couldn't get past the first level, but I know all these characters. Redemption! All
1: the times there it 's just the game it 's just the game well let 's see well, how do you feel about that when Ray Ray McLeod is housing balls um hey it 's been full it 's been full contact by the way special teams uh, they uh, Alex Kazora said something about that as well that he hasn 't seen a team do that before. I would vehemently agree never seen someone do that, but this is when guys make the team. We all know special teams you just can't be overstated how important special teams are for young guys to make the team in the preseason. It's not just like a, Oh, if you know anything about football, you say special teams are important. No, they are important. <laughs> and the 2001 Steelers can tell you that because that should have been a Super Bowl team who blew it based on their special teams. But, um, yeah, just, it, it it's a good idea. I think that it's a good idea that they're letting special teams go full, full tilt. Cause we need to know who's got it. Um, I know that Ben has told TJ to give him some bumps uh, if he can, and there's a video of TJ making a business decision not to do that and basically just tapped Ben on the shoulder because TJ is probably like, listen, Ben, uh, I'm not going through Duck and Mason year again. Can't do it. I'm going to tap you. And then Ben dove into him with the shoulder dive. It was, it was playful. It was, it, was, it was some manly bonding. There's nothing that you can't uh, like about that. But uh, I don't even think that that's a bad idea, to get Ben hit early. We've talked about it a lot. Ben has talked about it a lot. He needs to get hit a few times before he feels comfortable. We need him to feel comfortable. I don't mind some of the extra hitting that they're having. And then also regarding your comments about finding Connor's replacement, I think uh, between Snell and, and uh, McFarlane, McFarland having the, the bigger upside, Snell might just be exact same player that James Conner is and it sounds like he's been doing a really good job with that slimmed down figure in year two
0: well we're, we're trying to be very cautious about the information we're getting right. it is coming from four reporters but it's consistent Benny Snell juking he can juke he's running over people he beat Marcus Allen four times in a row in one of those yeah. backs on back a, a lot of
1: backups but yeah
0: well, then he got and he got around Devin Bush, who ultimately reached out a 12-foot arm and pulled him down, but he did get around the corner. So, again, you know, I yeah, want to be no, happy that's about all these reports I'm hearing. But if you believe every report we're hearing, the Steelers won't lose a game this year.
1: That's well, if you believe every
0: report off. we're hearing, Claypool is going to be
1: the number one receiver in the entire NFL. <laughs> and even Ben said, well, I tried to tell people to put a lid on that, but I guess that cat's out of the bag. But it really is true. When you look at these videos of Claypool, you see him and wonder, like, you know, like you said, you, you can't be too much of a fanboy and you're hearing people talk about this guy like that. But it is true. You don't usually hear people talk this much about a guy, particularly the Claypool thing. And when you look at him, it's like, uh, yeah, how is this how is this guy not a first-round receiver? I guess it was just the most ridiculous receiver class ever, and his quarterback was so bad. Uh, no offense, book at Notre Dame that maybe you slipped that way. But yeah, looks like Benny has been doing exactly what Connor and bell did from that year one to year two transition. And you know, I was pretty anti Benny Snell last year, so I'll definitely admit when that's the case. But I just said, the reason I was anti Benny Snell is because the sluggishness, the slowness was extreme. It was a uh, Dwyer level slow. So if he really has picked it up a little bit, um, I, I, You know, did say at the end of the year, especially after that Ravens game, there is something about him that there is a toughness and an understanding of the running back position that does remind me a lot of James Conner. They're not sexy players, but they are. You know, they're running backs, running backs. So good to hear that he's doing well
0: as well. So the gladiatorial combat continues between um, Zach Banner and Chooks. Still, uh, what I've heard, what I've been reading is that this won't be decided until the first game. Although it does seem like Banner's getting a lot more reps, and Chooks was actually working out with the tight ends.
1: Right. I think that they both were... Whoever's not the starter is going to be that tight end, that extra blocker. Um, So they'll both be playing a little bit here. And one way, you'd wish that some dude would have taken the mantle, but at the same time, you're like, oh, well, you know what? It's only been a couple weeks. These guys both have played well when they've played for the Steelers. It's not like we have... um, Mike Adams in there competing for, for a job. No offense, Mike. Don't think he's listening. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully someone takes that by the horn. It's, yeah. I don't know who you'd want. Uh, you just want whoever's better. But in a way, you know, Banner, I mean, with the personality and especially with the departure of Ramon, I mean, he has a lot, he's a way goofier than Ramon, but he has that buoyancy, uh, both physically and metaphorically. Uh, personality-wise, that Ramon had. So it just seems like he could be a great leader for the team that way. So that's a good thing. But then Chooks is a damn third-round pick, so you kind of want that guy to be able to beat out an undrafted dude, right? But, uh, you know, hey, has got a lot of great undrafted linemen over the past few years. That being said, let's just hope that DeCastro is okay because in one sense, I'm just, I'm, I'm like flattened by the phenomenal job Kevin Colbert has done reinvigorating this offensive line. And we it's not like we've got any big pedigree guys, but, you know, we've been worried for the past two years. We've been keeping our eye on the ticker, especially after Munchak is gone, like, hey, you, you can't just have five guys. You kind of need seven, you know, to have a really good offensive line. And they have that now with Wisniewski at guard and Dachshund. I guess we'll just mention now, it's just the same thing we've been hearing every week. Obviously, he was... Injured early, but when he's going in He's crushing people Dachshund looks good This is a great thing to have But you have those two at the inside uh, Also can help out with some center stuff Chooks and Banner on the outside I mean, you, you just got a legion of linemen So it's looking good For the course of this year But you just have to remember The offensive line is one of the toughest positions To get to gel Because it is so communication based Similar to what we mentioned about the secondary earlier but the thing about the secondary is the front seven can help you. If they get to the quarterback or the running back, you don't have to do too much. The linemen, you need to protect our 40-year-old quarterback. And that takes some communication. And first off, they don't get many game scenarios to communicate in. Second off, they haven't played together as a unit. So we, if, if DeCastro is playing, I feel good about, you know, Filer at left guard and then Chooks or Banner at right tackle. If DeCastro does not play then you have an entire new side of the right, uh, entire new lineup for the right side of the line, right? You have maybe Wisniewski at that guard position. Maybe we'll get the nod over Doxon and then Chooks or Banner. Uh, and that is worrisome, and that could be worrisome against the Giants week one. So that's the only
0: thing I'm keeping my eye on. Well, speaking of free agency and maybe some good news, I've been reading about Curtis Riley, safety. It turns out that um, he start, he's starting to lock up the third safety position. Thanks. And that's one place that we've been really worried about being thin. You know, you can't have make a lo- miss a game.
1: Yeah, it's just a little bit of pressure for him, right? Yeah, Curtis Riley has been uninspiring in all the stops he's made with, you know, I guess it was Oakland and New York, but he does have starting experience. Think about it this way, though, you guys. Like when Artie Burns went to the to the Bears— he technically had a few years of starting experience. Just because the guy was a starter doesn't mean it was an ideal situation, especially in these secondaries. And by the way, feel bad for Artie with that ACL tear. He's out for the year. I wonder if his career is over. I hope it's not. I hope he can jump on some of our special teams because he is a phenomenal human being, and even if uh, the cornerback thing hasn't come together for him. But, yes, it is good to hear that Curtis Riley, the guy with the experience, has been uh, making plays there because we know we love Dangerfield, love having him on the squad, but... He's not a guy you want taking too many snaps in the back end. Uh, and, and also on that safety side, like you said, Marcus Allen, uh, we mentioned him earlier for a negative reason. I think he got run over, but we have been saying the past few weeks the coaches have been really impressed with him. He has been working out with the inside linebackers and the safeties, so maybe he finally can be that sort of dime, <laughs> dime piece that the defense has been looking for. It's early. Who knows? But those two nuggets of information regarding Riley, And uh, our guy, um, well, Marcus Allen, sorry about that, everybody. Uh, Those are good reports to be hearing, at least.
0: So moving on from the current Steelers, we have somewhat of a Steeler alumni report. A group of black former NFL players has filed a federal lawsuit alleging that the NFL, the um, concussion settlement with players, blocked some black claimants from securing payouts. It's kind of a complicated case, but it is brought by two former Steelers, Kevin Henry and Najee Davenport. Najee will, Davenport. Najee Davenport. Did you, nice. you know those two guys?
1: Of course. Of course. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm embarrassed to say I did not remember Kevin ha- Henry, and he spent No, I don't remember Kevin years, Henry. I
1: meant Najee, yeah.
0: But he spent eight years on the Steelers from 1993 to 2000, uh, starting most of the games in his last four years here. Najee Davenport just it's hard to ever forget the name he only spent two seasons two and a oh, half those, seasons oh, Packers for- running
1: back the fattest kick returner to ever play in the NFL that's right is that right yeah this, this massive man the bus returning kicks like what is going on back here
0: They are trying to establish a class action on behalf of all black former players. And the argument, as best I can interpret this uh, complicated legal situation, is that when a settlement is reached for the concussion concussion settlement, each player is measured individually. And what they're trying to assess is what's the level of diminishment from a baseline. In other words, you go into the NFL— with a, they, they don't do this on IQ. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a whole range of tests you're given, but um, they will measure. So if your baseline is 100, and you're now at 90 when you file your claim, you have a loss of 10 percent, right? Well, what this case or what these guys are claiming is that different people come in with different baselines, and black players tend to be rated at a lower baseline, so. If a white player is at 90 and a black player is 90, they're saying that the white player will get a 10% diminishment, but they only said that the black player started at 95 and only dropped to to 90. You with me?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm good with numbers, so I'm with you.
0: (laughs) No, I can understand that. (laughs) there's a... I, I'm I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but there is a whole statistical analysis that goes into analysis that goes into the assessment of all these concussion settlements. So you could see where they can you know, th- this is going to get this is going to get hairy because it's going to be full of statisticians and and your yeah. psychological breakdowns of these guys. So we'll see where that goes.
1: Well, you know, as huge football fans here, and I think it's part of our job to to disperse this on, on the podcast is. We want to fight against those weird, uh, those, you know, um, some of those instincts in the public to just bash on football players and and think like, oh, you're making enough money or blah, 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 blah. I support everything that's free market and everything in the entire world, except for some reason this (laughs) particular avenue. We want to make sure that the players are being treated fairly. We want to make sure that uh, especially the retired guys are being treated fairly because uh, we love football and we want to make sure that these guys aren't getting taken advantage of, because they do, just like people in every business. And uh, similarly, you know, just for the reputation of football among non-football fans and just among Americans and the world in general, you want to make sure that they're doing everything they can to make the sport as safe as they possibly can. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that in the background.
0: Buddha Baker, Arizona Safety just procured or should I say secured a four year extension, fifty nine million dollars, thirty one million dollars guaranteed. And we are getting used to seeing these these numbers. I'm not sure, you know, he hasn't had an interception, but yeah, it's crazy. But- what makes me nervous, what does this mean for Minka? It's not like we didn't bring his name up, but he's not the first guy I think of when I think of 2021 or post 2021. We have a world of trouble next year trying to secure all the players that are going to be free agents. And then we get hit the following year with Minka. I mean, look at this number. Don't you? I was trying to, can you compare the two guys and see what Minka might be commanding in two years? I
1: don't know because I just feel like other guys are going to get paid until then. I I haven't. Uh, I mean Jamal Adams is going to get paid. Derwin James going to get paid before. Well, I guess same time as Minka. Um, so I don't. I don't put a ton of stock into this. Buda Baker's a really good player. He's very versatile. But like you said, I mean no interceptions in, in two years. Most people in the NFL. <laughs> People who follow the NFL think that it's a statistical-based league. For some reason, nobody can get it through their head that the the statistics in NFL lie more than anything else, any other sport. Uh, Of course, they're useful, but we need context with those. You say, oh, he must be a bum. Uh, He's not a bum. He's a good player. But, of course, nowhere in the echelon that Minka is. So, uh, I don't know. I don't really keep a uh, – it doesn't really mean anything to me. Yeah, safety got paid some big money. That might mess with the market a little bit. But there's other safeties out there who are going to get paid. And Minka, I mean, you don't have to pay him for another three years, right? So maybe – I'd say maybe in a perfect world they'd pay him after his third year uh, uh, finished, which is what we wish we had done with a Le'Veon Bell, right? So we wouldn't have gotten into that crazy uh, scenario that we got in with him. But uh, that's not really the Steelers' way. They only negotiate you know, the year before the guy's deal expires, and they're especially not going to negotiate early given all the variables they're dealing with this, uh, concerning the salary cap and this COVID thing. But listen, it's not a foregone conclusion that the salary cap's going to get absolutely tanked. Of course, it's a distinct possibility, but it's not a foregone conclusion yet. So we're going to need more information to see how much money the Steelers have. But I feel like... Uh, His, you know, we have a couple years before having to worry about Minka, so they might be able to get their ducks in a row in time for that superstar, hopefully future Hall of Famer,
0: to get uh, his money. Well, look, he's at a level, he's not going to take a haircut. Well. We don't have to worry about this.
1: He doesn't need a haircut. But all you dudes out there, you do, all right? You want to be a modern man? You want to be a gentleman? You want to be a man who's. Put together like the sculpture of David, but with some enhancements in the lower region. Talk to Manscaped, all right? Because they got precision tools for your family jewels. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. This thing is a—it's a, an electric razor. It makes it impossible, impossible to injure yourself in the danger zone. But it makes it very possible to artfully and artistically. Keep yourself cleaned up down there, okay? It's not a Mungo Jerry video anymore, right? Steely Dan is done. Stop it. Become the man you were meant to be. Use Manscaped. Use it in the shower. They got water-resistant technology. They got balms. They've got anti-chafing cream. Especially effective for men with muscular powerful quadriceps. They got everything and they got it at an affordable price. Get 20% off free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's the code armchair at manscaped.com. I also got to let you guys know about a little something called betonline.ag. If you're looking to make some money, This sports season, if you're looking to take some of the knowledge you're getting here and apply it to the Steelers, buyer beware. But the best place to do that is betonline.ag. The sports world is back. Thank you. Hallelujah. There's no fans in New York week one uh, for the Steelers game, but there will be plenty of people watching the Steelers wipe the floor with the Giants week one. Why don't you make some money on it? Or why don't you make some money on the NBA playoffs that are in full swing here? Why don't you make some money? Probably, unfortunately, betting against the Pirates in the MLB. You can also make some money with some live casino games and poker tournaments and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag. Ching! Your online wagering
0: experts. You know, one of the most fun things I started doing as a part of this podcast is just trying to learn more. The um, NFL Game Pass has Game Pass film sessions with Brian Baldinger and right now Kurt Warner. And this past week I watched um, both an interview with Minka that I hadn't seen before, but Cam Hayward was interviewed. You know, if you liked him before, you're going to love him now. And if you loved him before, I don't even want to talk about what you're thinking because he is just (laughs) the best guy. And, you know, just to watch him break down, I mean, these guys remember every play they've had since... Little yeah. League football. Yep. It's phenomenal. But Baldinger opened up the show with the line, you know, Cam, you're known as the adult. <laughs> and we've always said that. He does seem like he's, he's an old soul, so to speak. He is. He's buttoned up. Now, he is actually a
1: rah-rah guy,
0: which is cool. He, will,
1: he doesn't yell at people. He barks at them like a, a German shepherd on growth hormones. And uh, so he is vocal that way. But he's just, he's a refined man of destruction. That's really what he is. Like he said in that video, he doesn't think there's a center in the league that can block him. I don't remember which game it was. Uh, Maybe uh, it was against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. He basically said he was in a two technique, so basically in between the guard and the center. Usually gets the double team on that play. This time, for some reason, the guard did not double team him, and he realized he had the center. And he just walked the man back into Lamar Jackson, grabbed Lamar Jackson with one arm. We're talking about Lamar Jackson here, by the way, the slipperiest man on the universe, and, uh, yeah, sacked him. So those sessions are awesome. The NFL needs to do better with things like that. Chris Sims does a lot of cool stuff like that. Baldinger is the man. Kurt Warner does a great job in those. Of course, the Gruden QB camp videos are, are really cool. But I think uh, the NFL needs to realize that there's – there's some big-time interest in, in the X's and O's in the chalk talk department. So if you can get the right guys with the right personality, like Baldinger, Baldinger, Baldinger to, to, to head these things up, man, the production value from NFL is always so phenomenal on these videos. So it is great to see Cam get a little bit of shine there and you get to see some of the destruction uh, from the angles that make it more obvious and more impressive than maybe the sideline TV angle does for you.
0: We have been lucky to avoid a major catastrophic injury this training camp, but we have a laundry list of guys who are questionable for the first game. We've already talked about DeCastro. Uh, I'm bothered by the fact it's undisclosed. Not that if I knew it was an ankle or a knee I'd feel any better, but undisclosed, interesting. Hmm. And we're also talking about Eric Ebron.
1: He's always got a little something. I mean, Did He's he just have surgery? Field. Oh, he's got uh, the, the flu now, yeah. I think Yeah, he's, so hopefully. He said that he wasn't, he was finally back to 100% right when camp started. I, we did mention this during the summer that we were a little bit nervous. I, what, what was it, an ankle surgery or something like that? But we were a little nervous that he wasn't back to 100% yet. That was, uh, it was a little, I wouldn't say alarming. I mean, surgeries take a long time to recover from, and he did play the beginning of last year uh, with the Colts. But he did say he was back to 100% at the beginning of camp, but he said, but it's camp, you know, nobody's 100%, so now I'm 80%. And I didn't know how to interpret that at first. I'm like, damn, doesn't, doesn't sound like you were 100% then. But then you and I had the conversation where it's, we talked about how crazy it is to see how quickly these guys get injured in the NFL. And, of course, you wonder, what extent are they injured? Is it like a bone bruise or an uncomfortable bruise? And they say, hey, Juju, you have an uncomfortable bruise in your foot. Like, we don't need to have you out there because that could compromise your speed and you're playing with big boys here. But all I'm trying to say is, like, if you play in high school or something like that, which, is of course, this is the difference between pros and high school. But in high school, you'll be doing two days and you're tackling all damn day long. And it's not like people really go down after the first day. Like, it takes an incident. But in the NFL, you see the guys go down after day one. You're going to have two or three guys who are going to miss a couple days, right? And you and I were saying it must just be because, A, the physicality is so unfathomably intense that you get dinged up really easily. And then, B, you have to be moving so fast just to make sure that you don't get murdered by a human monster that – you're pushing to the very limits of your body, so when you're cutting, you might be pulling things or, or um, you know, injuring yourself in a way that lesser athletes wouldn't do. But there's constantly little injuries going on throughout training camp. You're right, knock on wood, we haven't had anything big yet. But uh, I, I guess it's my long roundabout way of saying, like, hey, Ebron's right. Like, there's a you know, day one of training camp, that's the healthiest you will ever be for the whole season, and then these guys learn how to manage the pain and the doctors and the team. Uh, Learn how to make strategies to help get these guys
0: through the season. Strategies. Let's also keep our eyes on Stefan Tuitt and Deontay Johnson, both of whom were listed questionable as of early last week.
1: Deontay, that's okay. That's one that's a little nerve wracking. We all have this guy penned as the next star in Pittsburgh, but this guy always has something. And I'm scared that he's one of those super fast guys, usually a kick return skill type dude, who just is always pulling something. Like, look at Odell Beckham Jr. And I'm not saying Deontay is Odell because he's not. But Odell's always got something. And I legitimately think when I'm watching Odell play, I mean, he had a shot to be the greatest receiver of all time. And I'm going to have that conversation, by the way, on another podcast with the whole Jerry Rice thing. It's like, oh, yeah, if I was picking a team in the backyard uh, and I could take uh, anybody... Oh, yeah, I'm definitely taking Jerry Rice over Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss or Julio Jones. Uh, Do I get to bring Montana and Young and uh, Walsh? No, you don't. Okay, anyways, let me get back to the point. It is something to keep an eye on with Deontay Johnson because I think the only thing that can hold him back from having a great season is injury. And it seems like he's always tweaking a little bit something. Of course, there's a lot of other hands in the cookie jar when it comes to catching passes this year, so maybe that would keep him from a large statistical season. But, uh, man, I really hope he can he can get it together. Hopefully they're just being cautious with him.
0: Visit the website, www.steelersoutpost.com. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at Outpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Reddick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.